Hi, this is Kyle. Welcome to No Techno Bubble. This episode, I want to talk about one of the most common questions that people would ask me as an IT guy, which is always, what Windows laptop should I buy? Now, I'm not going to get into a discussion today outside of whether it should or shouldn't be Windows. I'm going to stick with that one. Which Windows one should I buy? Because it can be pretty tricky to know exactly which laptop to buy when you're in business or when you're a personal user or you're a student, any of them. There's so much stuff to choose from. How do you know what's going to be any good for you? You've got a rough idea that you probably want something that's going to be quick, will uh, won't be slow on you, won't cost you a lot of money, maybe, won't cost you a fortune, you might say, something like that. It's dead hard to work out what it is. And so people would ask me this all the time. And one of the main things they'd come up with when they were talking to me about this was they wanted it to last about three years. They wanted it to be quick enough so they could do the work that they wanted to do. And they didn't want to have to spend loads and loads of money if they didn't need to. They wanted to get some good value for money. That's where I could help them out. Initially, I always used to tell people to buy a brand new laptop. That's what I used to do. I used to sell people a brand new laptop and it cost it cost a lot of money. It used to cost 800 to 1,000 pounds for a brand new laptop. And it used to be worth doing that back in the day because it needed to last you for like three to five years, but things have kind of moved in the world of IT since those days. Nowadays, a lot of stuff's cloud-based, and anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm into Google and Google Cloud. And because things are cloud-based, you don't need the power on the laptop that you needed to in the past. It doesn't have to have the latest processor and the latest this and that that's coming out at the moment. It has to have a certain specification that will do the job for what you need to do and what most people need to do, because a lot of the power is going to be done by the cloud for you. Because we're not installing applications onto our computers like we used to. We're not putting CDs into it and DVDs and all that kind of stuff. We don't do it anymore. We go into a website and log in and access what we want to get to. So that's changed how I recommended laptops to people in the last couple of years. What that's meant is it's actually the best time ever for getting computer hardware. The value now is phenomenal because you don't need this device to last you for three to five years. You're probably realistically looking at buying a device now for yourself or for business that lasts for two years. And then after two years, you can kind of decide whether you want it to run for another year or so, depending on how it works out for you. If it's still going strong at two years for what you need to do, then keep it going for another year or two. If it isn't and you think, actually, what I do now, I've moved into doing some video work. I do video editing because lots and lots of us do video editing and stuff now. If you move into video editing, you might need a bit more of a powerful laptop at that point. And the good thing is if you only buy it based around a two-year lifespan, you're not going to spend so much money at the start. So it works out in the end anyway. You know, If you put a grand down at the start over five years or you put 350 quid down at the start over two, two years, if you look at the numbers, it's still you're going to get better value if you buy twice. And the chances are that in two years' time, the hardware's probably dropped in price even again. So this is what's quite sort of interesting about this side of things. And I don't blame people when they want to look at IT equipment and judge it by its price. After all, I don't expect most people to know the ins and outs of what an i5-U5300 processor means. And I don't expect them to understand what PCC1600 DIMMs are and all these kind of tech jargon. All the stuff that we don't like on Techno Babble that you see when you try and buy a piece, a laptop, all this tech stuff, it means nothing. It means stuff to IT people, but it doesn't mean much to your, your person who wants to buy a bit of equipment to do the job, which is why Apple have been so well over the years with what they've got. Their stuff is super expensive, but you knew when you bought Apple, 
you were going to get something that was good pretty much any part of the range that you bought. And they knew that because they're working on a brand rather than on the specific tech specs of it. So let's roll back to getting your business laptop. So you walk up to me and say, oh, what sort of Windows laptop should I buy? Now, 90% of people who work in any company pretty much do the same kind of stuff. 90% of people do the same kind of stuff. They're going to want to do some documents. They want to do some spreadsheets, maybe some presentations. They want to go on the internet. They probably want to watch some YouTube stuff, listen to some stuff. They want a device that's fairly portable, that's not too heavy to carry around, but at the same time doesn't have a tiny screen that they can't really see with their eyes. They'd like to listen to some sound on it. They want to store some files on it. And they don't want to spend loads of money. If you've got a specific need, if you know you're an engineer and you're going to use some high-intensity 3D modeling software, or you're a statistician and you know that you're going to go to town with the biggest spreadsheets that link to data sources, then you know that you've got a specific requirement and you probably know that you need to get a certain level of kit because you'll have learned that because you need a tool to do your job i'm talking here about what most people need to pick up a computer and do the things that people do in business which is the documents and the sheets and the slides and their email and all that kind of stuff and the interesting thing about that at the moment is that you don't have to go and buy the latest greatest model in fact you can buy something that was released two to three to four years ago and here's why You'd think that that sounds daft. I recommend a laptop that was released three years ago. It's going to be out of date, Carl. What are you talking about? That's a load of old rubbish. How can it be any good if it was released three years ago? But here's the deal. Our needs out of computers, as I've said, are less than they have ever been because of the power of the cloud and how applications work today. The laptop that you buy today is well over spec for what you need. It's kind of like buying, if you take a car analogy, you could buy a 911 and you can buy a Porsche 911S. Now, the S has got about 20 more horsepower than the 911, but you'll never feel that 20 horsepower unless you're the stick. Unless you're a racing driver, you won't be able to utilize that 20 horsepower. You can tell people you've got the 20 horsepower, and you can look at a badge on the back, and you can show people, and you go, I bought the S model, and they'll know you spent some more money on it, and, and that works. But in terms of your driving ability, for most regular people who drive the Porsche 911, you can't drive it faster in the S mode than you can in the standard mode because you don't have the skills to do it. And my analogy there is that you don't need... You're not the engineer who's doing the statistical data. You're not the 3D modeler. You don't need that kind of stuff. Here's how it works then. When you buy a three-year-old device, it's the specification that was made three years ago. It's based on the technology three years ago, which is a processor, memory, which is called RAM, hard disks, and the size of the screen. What's the difference? Well, there's usually an Intel processor. Pretty much most stuff comes with Intel, and Intel have got three types of processors. They have this i3, i5, and i7. And it's pretty easy to work out from three things which one you're supposed to buy, aren't you? i3 is the entry-level one, i5 is the mid-range one, and i7 is the high-spec, fast, fast one. If you're the 3D modeler, you need the i7. If you don't, you can have an i5 or an i3, depending on how much you want to spend. You'll spend a little bit less with an i3. It won't quite be as quick. You bet an i5, it's a sweet spot. i5 is more than satisfactory for 90% of what people need to do. Then there'll be some other numbers after that i5, which are variants of speed of the processor. Pretty much that doesn't matter. You can just take it. If it says i5 at the front, you'll be pretty fine. You'll be set with that. Don't worry about what the rest of the numbers are. If you can get a better deal on a higher number, it's going to be faster. So go on the higher number if you can. The next part about your laptop you'll see is RAM, which is memory. And memory 
isn't to be confused with the hard disk. Memory is not where you store files or save anything. It's not where you're going to put music or data or any of that kind of thing. Memory is how much the computer can think about at one time. That's the equivalent to it. And the magic number for that is about 8 gig at the moment for Windows 10. 8 gigabytes of RAM is the magic number at the moment. If you've got 8 gigabytes of RAM in your Windows 10 laptop, you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine and have no problems with that. You don't need to have 16 because you know who you are if you need 16. You're the 5% people. You're the people with the 3D modeling and so on. You'll know if you're a 16er. Don't get 4 gig. 4 gig will sell you short and your computer won't be quick enough and you'll notice it because you'll use all your memory up. There won't be enough for your computer to think about at one time. Get 8 gigabytes and you'll sit nicely in the middle and have a good time with 8 gigabytes. And then finally, we need to think about what the laptop's kind of brain's made of and that's the hard disk. That's where it's long-term memory is where it stores things. And for years and years, laptops came and desktop computers that actually also came with what we call magnetic disks. They spin. They actually span around at revolutions per minute like our old school record player inside these metal disks. And I don't know if you ever picked up a hard disk, in a, if you ever saw any of the IT techs or you went to a place where they fixed computers and they had a hard drive connected to the power and you could pick it up off the workbench and hold it. As you unplug the power, you could feel it move around in your hand like a gyroscopic effect in your hand as the hard drive span down, as the disc started to spin down. And it's a weird sensation. You're holding this thing, yeah, it has a movement to it because it's actually spinning round and round. And that's based around magnetic, uh, magnetic disc and calculations and platters and all sorts of complicated engineering stuff that goes on inside those old school hard disks. Well, what's happened in the last few years is the kind of hard disk that we get in our mobile phones which are called SSD disks which are called solid state disk and by that it means there's no moving parts in them it's all electronic chips they've become economical enough to go into computers now they've come down in price that they're easy enough to fit in computers they're not that expensive they are super quick because they don't have any moving parts and if you can think about the comparison again for a car between a combustion engine and an electric motor engine. Anyone who's seen a recent electric car, no matter what brand it is, and particularly if you've ever been in a Tesla, the P100D Tesla, and it's in ludicrous mode, you would see the phenomenal acceleration that electrical motors can gain in comparison to a combustion engine, and that's simply because the electrical motor has less moving parts and is able to generate the torque to the wheels quicker than you can do with a combustion engine, which has got all of your pistons and your camshaft, and then you've got your, your drive shaft and your differential and of course with electric motor it's electric motor direct to the wheel on each wheel and that's why the electric motor is faster so this is an equivalent your ssd disc is like your electric motor in a car it's faster the size you want to look out for about 240 to 256 gigabyte anything smaller than that you might not have enough room after you've put windows on it for you to keep some kind of synced up files on it and i'm not going to go into that quite right now i'll talk about that in a moment so when you see them for sale, the 120 gig disc or 180 gig disc, you might be a little bit tight on that. 240 to 256 will give you plenty of room to install Windows and then synchronize some files up from Google Cloud and that kind of thing to your laptop. Don't bother going above that. If you start going to 500 gig and so and so, it's A, going to get really expensive and B, you don't need all that storage space on your laptop because you shouldn't be storing files on the laptop. You can synchronize files to your laptop but they should have a home that lives in the cloud and you have a synchronized version of them down to your laptop with things like Google Five File Drive Stream or Google Backup and Sync. So if your laptop got lost, dropped in the lake, stolen, actually all your files still remain in the cloud and you're just working on a synchronized version of them that sits on your laptop. Let's go back over that. 
because there was quite a lot of information that went on in the last nine minutes or so. So you're looking to get a laptop. Pick the size of screen that you want and then go on to look at the processor. Choose an i5 or an i7 processor. That's down to your budget. i5 is great. If you can afford an i7 or you see a deal on it, get an i7. It's only going to be quicker. No one's going to complain about something that's happening quicker. No, don't go there, Carl. Eight gigabytes of RAM. Get eight gigabytes of RAM and you'll be fine. You don't need any more than eight gigabytes. Don't go four gigabytes. It won't be enough. 256 gigabyte SSD hard disk is pretty much the standard sweet spot. 180, 120, too small. Anything above that, you're wasting money because you don't need to do that. A moment now to talk about the sort of screen size that you get out there. For years and years, the common screen size on laptop was called 15.6 inches, which is corner to corner. It's not the width, it's the diagonal. If we go back to doing our A squared plus B squared equals C squared from school and our maths class, it's that kind of thing. It's the diagonal between the corners, 15.6 inches, and that was the common size. Actually, now, if you look at a 15.6 inch laptop, it's quite big. It's quite a big thing, and it's quite heavy still. Even though they're slimline, it's still quite heavy. The standard size these days is 14.1 inches, which you might think sounds a little bit small. Actually, again, it's the sweet spot. It's really nice. It's small enough that it makes the laptop slim. It makes the laptop light and easy to use. But it's not so small that you can't use it. It's nice to look at. That's the sweet spot for me. 14.1 inches is a really nice size on a laptop. Good enough that you can carry it and walk around and work in the airport or move around with it under your arm. Nice enough that you could sit down in a desk and use it as well. But it's not too small that you'd have to squint at it. So it's a good size to go for, 14.1 inches. And it's better value. You'll find now, because 14.1 is the common size, that's the size that everybody buys. That's where the best price is at. 15.6 has now actually become a bit of a niche market. And when something's got less demand, then the price goes up. Which sounds kind of counter to what supply and demand is about, but they're manufacturing less of them, so it costs them more to make them, so they sell them for more money because they become a niche IT item. So 14.1 is the size you want to go for. Again, we're talking today about buying a Windows laptop, and then you've got to choose the operating system. This is what something to watch out for when you're buying the computer, because often you can see it will say Windows 10, and it's a good price. You go, that's a good price, Windows 10. And that's Windows 10 Home they're going to sell it with, and with the home edition, there's one feature that you don't get in the professional edition that you generally want to have, and that's the BitLocker, which is the disk encryption. If the disk is encrypted and someone steals your laptop and takes the hard drive out and connects it up to a computer that can't read your data, that's a good thing to have. That protects you, protects your privacy, protects your company under all the regulations of data loss, the ICO, GDPR, all that. I'm not going to go into that detail. You're talking about a simple way that you switch a feature on called BitLocker and it says to you, unless the thief of the laptop knows your password, and we're going to make sure we have a decent password, people, on our laptops. They're not going to get into it. And remember, most people who steal a laptop aren't stealing it to get your data generally. They're stealing it to sell it. They're stealing it to sell it maybe for their drug habit or other thing that's affected them in life. A lot of criminals are just stealing it to make money or they're stealing it to buy drugs. That's how this kind of stuff goes. So they'll steal it and flog it to somebody on eBay or it'll get flogged down a pub off the back of a lorry, all that kind of stuff. And they'll tell the person, I'll just reinstall Windows on it, which is what they'll do if they can't get past your pa password. They're probably not going to sit there and hack into it. So have a decent password and have BitLocker enabled and you only get BitLocker with the professional version. The second one on that, if you're running a business 
and you have Microsoft domains in your business, you can't join a Windows 10 home computer to the domain. And what that means is the domain is a shared set of credentials. So it means that I can have a login as Kyle and I can access my laptop or somebody else's laptop or anything else that's in the business. It's not something that James and I deal with because we work in the modern world of cloud computing where all of our authorization and all of our security is done through Google. However, some of you out there listening to this may still be working in environments where you've got Microsoft domains and you'll see a good price on Windows 10 Home, but no, you can't use it when you get to work. You need the Windows 10 Pro. So watch out for that one because it does catch people sometimes. The suppliers are a bit kind of careful with this because they'll advertise a great deal with Windows 10 on it and you need to check whether it's actually Home or whether it's Pro because they won't tell you. It'll explicitly tell you if it's Pro, it will say Windows 10 Pro. So watch out. If it just says Windows 10, then it's Windows 10 Home and you might find yourself a bit flat-footed. And as I say, you want that encryption on your laptop in case it's stolen and someone flogs it on eBay because you don't want to give up your own data. You don't want to give up your client's data. And the last thing you want to do if you're in a business is to get sale on eBay. It gets bought by somebody who knows a little bit about tech and they have access to drive and they can read the data off it off another computer and then they tell everybody online and go on Twitter and post it all up online about what your company did and report you to the ICO and all that kind of stuff that goes on. I'm not trying to fear monger anybody. More embarrassing than anything else. Do the right thing. Get Windows 10 professional. Other things when we're buying a laptop, okay. I would always say to people, is there something specific that you want to do? Because occasionally there are people that want to do something specific outside. For example, they may say, look, I do a lot of video work or I do podcasting or I take it around and do presentations for people. That means you might want to have a look at a couple of different kind of connectors that are on the laptop. You want to make sure the laptop's got the things can add it that you can plug into it that does what you want to do. Here you go. So if you do a lot of presentations, then you're going to want to have something that connects to a TV or projector. And most TVs and projectors these days will take HDMI. The really old stuff takes VGA, and you won't find many laptops that don't have VGA output anymore. It's kind of been standard for years and years and years, and you still find it on laptops. It's the little blue connector that connects to a monitor. Modern projectors and TVs won't have an input for that kind of stuff. They'll have HDMI. And I think we've probably most of us have seen HDMI. It's what connects to our Virgin boxes at home, our Sky boxes, BT Sport boxes, whatever they are, HDMI cables. Have a look for a laptop that can connect to HDMI. Now, you'll go and do this, and you'll go, I can't find any laptops that have HDMI ports on them, Kyle, without spending loads and loads of money. They're all really expensive. Why are you on about? Well, here's the thing. They'll nearly all have something called a display port on the laptop. And the display port is for you to output to a TV or projector or another monitor. It's not HDMI, but it's very similar to HDMI because the only difference really between display port and HDMI is that one person owns the license. It's kind of a bit like VHS versus Betamax. It's a proprietary thing that's owned by a company and has a patent behind it. And if the laptop manufacturer hasn't paid for the paid, paid for the license to use HDMI on the laptop, because DisplayPort is just as good and cheaper, they'll go with DisplayPort and not pay the license fee. But what you can get off Amazon is a cable that converts a DisplayPort signal to a HDMI signal, and those are under six quid each. So that's what you do. Get yourself the DisplayPort laptop, and then get a cable that converts it to HDMI, and bingo, you can connect to the TVs, and you can connect to the projectors without having to buy a laptop that's got an expensive HDMI port in it, and everything else is exactly the same. You might want USB port in your laptop. If you know what USB-C is, then you'll, you'll get one of those. My Chromebook takes USB-C. My Android phone takes USB-C. Lots of Apple stuff takes USB-C. USB-C sends power and data over the same cable for charging devices. If you don't know what USB-C is and you don't have any USB-C devices, then don't worry about those. 
again, most laptops over the last few years come with at least one USB-C port on it. So the good chances you're going to get one of those anyway that's built into it. I mentioned earlier on about the screen size. Now you might say, look, Kyle, I get you with the smaller lightness and I do a lot of that stuff, but sometimes I come and sit at a desk and I don't want to look at a tiny screen all the time without putting me readers on. Or it does. I just don't like looking at a tiny screen, Kyle. What a so I'm going to get the bigger laptop. And I say, no, don't do that. Why don't you go and get yourself an external monitor for it? You can get an external monitor these days, 23-inch monitor for about 80 quid. So that's not really loads of money if you if you're getting in for the laptop. And we'll get to the good stuff about the price on a laptop shortly. Get yourself an external monitor. Get yourself a Wi-Fi keyboard and mouse that plug into there with one little connector. So a little USB connector into the laptop, wireless keyboard and mouse, and there you go. You've got instant desktop. Put the laptop off to the side. Plug the cable in from the monitor, and you can have a full desktop computer in front of you, and then plug, unplug the laptop and take it home when you finish. And that's going to cost you probably with the laptop, with the monitor keyboard and mouse it's going to cost you about a hundred pound extra and you've got a desktop computer and a laptop computer at the same time so our recommendation at Kimberly IT to our clients is never buy a desktop computer we always recommend people buy laptops there are occasions they'll say look Carl it's never going to leave the office it's never going out because we're not that kind of company and then we'll say okay fair enough get yourself a desktop if the client says yeah we'll take it home at one point I might do that then we say every time get the laptop convert it into a desktop with the additional monitoring the keyboard and the mouse in the office and away you go Right, let's go back through that now and have a look at our checklist for buying this laptop. i5, i7 processor, 14.1 inch screen size, 8 gig of RAM, 256 gig hard drive, Windows 10 Professional. That's what you want. That's the, that's the best laptop. Now you're going to come down to me and say, right, how much is it going to cost me? If you want to go buy that laptop brand new, you want the latest HP G5 model of that laptop, you're probably looking at spending 800 to 1,000 pounds. That's a lot of money in anybody's book. It's a lot of money if you're buying 100 laptops for your business. You know, you're up to 100 grand there if you're doing a refurb in a big business. And it's a lot if you're buying it on your own and you're starting your own business. That's a lot of money to put 1,000 pounds down. Now, here's the trick. Here's the secret that I use with my clients that you're going to want to use as well. And it's one word. It's based around one special word. And that word is refurbished refurbished does that mean it's second hand mm, it doesn't and it does let me give you the car analogy again if you buy yourself a brand new bmw e-class mercedes today it's going to cost you the list price let's say it's forty-five thousand pounds if you go into the dealership and say i can't quite go with that i love the model of the car do you have one that's nearly new they'll go yeah we have a mod we've got one in that's got four thousand miles on it if you've sat in a four thousand mile car they're almost like new I bought a car recently. I didn't buy it outright. I'm buying it on you know, purchase, uh, contract purchase, and it's a Suzuki Swift. It's a cool little thing, and I had it from brand new. It's now got four thousand miles on it, and you know what? You wouldn't know any difference. It still feels like new, and it looks like new when it's cleaned up. You wouldn't know the difference, and it's kind of like that with refurbished. These laptops have never actually been used by anybody. No one's actually sat down and worked at them. What's happened is that they've been bought by a big corporate company or a big distributor. And then they've said, we don't want this stock. We didn't sell it. They go into another level of the market, another level of distributor or wholesaler, and they will not be allowed to sell it as brand new because rightly it's not brand new. Someone's bought it. So what they have to do is they take it out of the boxes and they put it into refurbished boxes and they sell it. Laptop with a power supply and nothing else comes with it. So you don't get all of the paperwork that came with it. You don't need any of that bump anyway. But the laptop's never been used. And I did a video today where I show one that I bought for a client and it's never been used. It's mint. It's even still got the plastic screen on it. You can't see where it's been touched at all. 
they are phenomenal value for money. Now, when you go and buy this kind of equipment, there's things you've got to look out for, and it's the grading, grading. Grade A1 is what you want with refurbished. Grade A1 refurbished is brand new. It's just not in the original box. So it's like buying brand new, except it's going to be cheaper. The second is grade A2. That might have some cosmetic marks visible at arm's length, they say. And if you think about that, arm's length, how far? It's about a meter away from you. So if you really want a high-performance laptop and you want to get some value and you want, to, you, know, you want that top-end i7 with a 16 gig of RAM and all that kind of thing because you know you need it, if you go for a refurbished high-end one at A2, it might have a couple of marks on it where it's maybe once been used by somebody. But man, when you're going to get some savings on it. If you don't, you got a grade A1, it's never going to have been used and it's going to look virtually brand new. Here's the great deal too. When you buy a brand new laptop, it comes with a year's manufacturer's warranty. You can go up to three years by buying an additional warranty. When you buy a refurbished laptop from a reputable supplier, it comes with one year warranty. Absolutely no different. Why wouldn't it? Because it's brand new. So it comes with the same warranty that you get anyway. So why would you bother buying the brand new one? Now, let's get to the fun part of this, the numbers. A refurbished laptop is pretty much half the price of a brand new laptop on similar hardware. I've done this in my blog post and, I, and I'll go through it now. It was May 2019. This laptop has an i5 processor, 8 gig of RAM, 256 gig hard drive, and Windows 10 Professional. HP One, HP Elite Book 840 G5, 14 inch screen, £916.67. Refurbished HP Elite Book 840 G2 series, 14.1 inch screen, £349.97. That's a saving of £566.70 on the refurbished laptop, yet they are exactly the same specification of processor, memory, hard disk size, operating system and screen. The only difference is the one's nearly new. It's a couple of years older in terms of the when it was manufactured. But you don't need all that high performance that's coming in the G5. The G5 is that 911S, you don't need that. You can get this 840G2, the 911. You won't push it that far. It'll do everything you want it to do. Years and years ago, this was the wrong thing to do. Years and years ago, every IT person would tell you not to do that because they wanted to sell you the kit and also they wanted to make sure you didn't get something that was old technology but as i said we don't need everything that new technology is kicking out anymore because we're working in the cloud or you should be working in the cloud and if you're not working in the cloud listen to some more of my podcasts and listen to some more of the kimberly it podcasts about why working in the cloud saves time and improves your life and just gives you that whole new working modern working lifestyle that is a joy to take part in that's what you've got to watch out for. Now, here's that's the smart way for you to buy that laptop. Buy the refurbished laptop and save yourself £566.70 on a laptop by not buying this flash new badge, by buying the nearly new 911 and not the brand new 911S. This is sensible stuff. Think about the numbers. If you're on your own, it's 566. What does that work out when you're doing 10 of them? 5,000, maybe 50, 56,000. It's over half a million pounds. When you just scale it up on the numbers of the laptops that you're buying, that's just crazy amounts of money when you get to high numbers of laptops. And yet organizations will go out there and spend a million pounds on laptops when they could be spending, saving half a million pounds if their IT people knew about these tricks and tips and things to do. So, okay, I know most of the people that are listening to this aren't operating in that realm. But if you're operating in the realm of buying one of them, you're going to save 566 quid. If you're operating in the realm, you're going to save two, you're going to buy 10 laptops for your business. You're going to save 5,600 pounds. That's a lot of money. There's a lot you can do with 5,600 pounds in your business. There we go. How to buy a Windows laptop. How to buy a Windows laptop and get the best value and know what you need to do. I hope it's been helpful for you. I've enjoyed getting through this one. It's a quick one to do because I'm going to go off in a minute and get my girls from nursery. And then they're going to go off to their nanny and granddad's, my mum and dad's for this weekend. 
and I'm going to be at home decorating the bedroom for little Dixie and giving her a new bed and building a flat pack bed from Ikea. So wish me the best of luck with that one. If you like what I've got to say, you can check out our business at Kimberly.com. You can read all about what we do with Google Cloud and how we do business transformation and all the fun things where we just make working with IT just a dream and something that's beautiful to behold and not the nightmare that you've come from in the past with Microsoft. You can find me on Instagram at that technology guy. You'll find us on YouTube with the Kimberly IT channel on YouTube. Go check it out. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm Kyle Heath on LinkedIn. Have a look at all the stuff we do. Leave us some comments. I'd love it if you do because I do, I do all this stuff and I don't know if anybody ever listens to it. I hope at some point somebody does. I do it because I believe in it and I do it because I want people to have a great experience with IT and it doesn't always happen for them. And I, just, I don't want that to happen to people. I want you to have a fabulous time and you can have a fabulous time. Thanks very much. I'm going to sign out. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.